I'll, I'll probably just use a little bit of delightful music from James and the Giant Peach. Remember all those catchy songs that we all hum to this day? I'll probably take some of that and then I'll have Nicolas Cage screaming about the bees over it. And that will be the opening of our episode. Oh my. I'm not one of you. I don't believe in your God. Take the time. Just look at where we are. We've come very, very far to go. And if I might say so, and if I might say so too, we wouldn't have got anywhere if it weren't for you. What is it? What is it? What is that? What is that? As a comedian, I've thrown confetti all over the world. <laughs> but as a child, my world was made up of abusive parents and foster homes. That to save myself, I developed a code of comedy and eventually made a career of it. Coming soon. This summer. At theaters everywhere. Opening weekend. Read it R. Welcome to episode 94 of Opening Weekend. Oh, if your end is weak, you want to open it with a little opening weekend. It's the podcast that does the trick for your dirty, dirty. I can't speak. I'm just. I'm not, this is just so I have energy. At the beginning, I'm not going to use that. <laughs> yeah, you are. <clears throat> I might use part of it. Welcome to episode 94 of Opening Weekend. I'm Jason O'Connell, and I am once again joined by my dear friends Fred Berman and Dan Matisa. And this week, we travel back to April 12th, 1996, and the wide releases of two films, Henry Selleck's adaptation of the Roald Dahl children's book, James and the Giant Peach, and director David O. Russell's sophomore feature, the star-studded comedy Flirting with Disaster. But before we dive into the week's films, where were we? all in spring of 1996 i was definitely seeing uh rent the the first ever rent oh yeah remember rent never heard of it rent was a big deal you never heard of it it's a broadway it was on broadway and uh every like everybody from that thing became a big star right a lot of people did yeah 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 tay diggs was in it who else that other guy that other lady anthony rapp anthony rapp who's now on the star trek discovery we and he's great Daphne Ruben Vega. Yes. Oh my gosh. She was great. Was that her first thing ever? Uh, I believe it was. Like Anthony oh Rapp had been doing stuff for a while, but uh, for a lot of the folks, like her and. Um, Idina Menzel. Idina Menzel. Idina Menzel. Right, 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 right. Why am oh I blanking gosh, on the, on the name, the guy who played the, the rocker in it? Who played? Oh, uh, you're right. Yes. Uh, Adam Pascal. Yes. I believe it was his first show. Also, too. Um, the guy who went on to. Uh, 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 do Law and Order. Oh, gosh. I'm blanking on his name, oh, too. Jesse. Jesse Martin. Yes. 
Yep. Yep. Jesse, Jesse, Elmar. Right. my God. I mean, and it's like, you don't know who you're seeing until you're until later and you go, Oh my gosh, these are all, you know, they all went on to, to superstar. But we got standing room. My friend Corey and I uh, wound up going cause it was a total sellout and we, and he came to visit. Um, this is probably a month from now actually, but he came to, to visit and was like, oh, we got to see rent. We got to see rent. I was like, well, the only thing we can do is stand in line and then, you know, hope that we hope that there's a ticket available um, day of. So we got there like at six in the morning or five in the morning, stood online. And then right when the box office opened, they were like, we have standing room for tonight. And we were like, we'll take it. And we stood there and watched rent and it was, and it was great. And for, for, you know, so ahead of its time for, for that time, did you guys wind up seeing yeah. the original cast? Never saw uh, it. Yeah. I, Never saw. I, oh, you didn't? No, Ooh. I auditioned for it. I went to like one of the open calls. Steve Lavner and I woke up early one morning I went to an open call and, uh, and you didn't get it. And you were bitter. And so you didn't, never saw that, it. That's ex- yes, that's exactly right. We didn't, we, not even, we didn't get it. We didn't even get past the first like look, see, we literally oh, walked into on. a, we walked into a room. We waited online for hours in the East wow. village. You know, we were, we were wow. literally musicians, East village musicians at the time. <laughs> and Wait, you were living la vie bohème. We were. And, uh, if you remember zip thunk, we had a song, we had a song called type, which was, uh, the, it was yes. called Type the Rent Song, where we lambasted our experience <laughs> auditioning for that. Yeah, we literally waited wow. on for hours. We walked in and they looked at us. They would bring us in groups of like 15 at a time. And they'd be like, uh, it was like a chorus line. They'd be like, you, 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 stay. And both of us were immediately let go. So, <sighs> yes, I was bitter. And I was like, fuck Rent, never going to see it. I wish I saw it, but... Um, I saw it with early on with uh, Rita McCaffrey. She had gotten tickets oh, wow. and they were good seats too. I saw, I feel like it was very early in the run too. So yeah, I saw the original cast. I loved it. I loved it. I thought it was so good. I have a feeling that the, the energy was off the charts at that time. The mm. buzz about it, the, the, the sort of advanced notice about it was like, this is, this is next level musicals. This is next level of what Mm. Um, you know, New York theater is, is going to be, and this, you know, the, the, what's the name of the creator of it? Gosh, I'm blanking on everything. Jonathan Larson. Yeah. Jonathan Larson is, is the next, you know, rest of soul is, is going to be the next, uh, the next uh, big thing. That was a big thing too. Cause he passed away the, the he first passed. preview night, which was, you know. That's tragic. insane. And he was like working in a diner still. Right. And wasn't, isn't the yeah. story something like he was still, he was still like doing his day job, his survival job right up until basically right up until the opening of, of, of this or something. Mm. And it was like, wow, this guy is, he's a real, you know, real, um, uh, New York, uh, theater artist who, who, you know, at this and it had this off Broadway life, and then and then this Broadway life, and and the film was made many years later, right? That, that didn't come out. You yeah, know, the film was until, much, yeah, the film didn't translate. Later. You know what wasn't one of the greatest things anyone had ever seen? <laughs> the production of King John that I was doing in April 1996. <laughs> I thought he was segueing already. I thought he was segueing <laughs> to James <laughs> and the Giant Peach. No, no. Who did you play in King, King John? King John, that's right. I love. I played you in King that. John. You played what? King fucking John. How come I didn't see this? I was away because you were lucky, Dan. And because you were one of the lucky ones. No, I saw this it. was. I loved it. It was terrible. I was looking. I was. I was looking at pictures. You were great. And, what? What'd you say, Jason? You were. Great. I was not great. Thank you. I was not. I was miscast. What and are I you was, saying about me? I was ridiculous. Well, I would have typed you out if I had thought. <laughs> yeah, you didn't get it. typed, typed out of this right one. Out. This one, you should be feel <laughs> thankful. Nobody typed you out. You're trying they to said, type yourself out. You played the lead. Like, You're King John. You're like, I don't think. I don't think I'm right for King it. John. I took it way too serious. I was looking at pictures of it last night in it's the photo album, and I'm like, oh god. 
This was so, it was bad. I was, yeah, I was in England. I auditioned for it right before I left for England uh, for a small role. It was uh, this company called Millennium Players. This woman, Anne Beaumont, uh, uh, directed it. And I got the call while I was in England and she told me, I, I was up for a smaller role. I was up for the, the Dauphin, which is a, uh, a younger uh, yeah. role. And they said they wanted to, they wanted to cast me as King John. And I was, because I was in England, I was like, oh my God, I gotta, I can do all my research here. So research I went fucking it, yeah. like research crazy and wow. decided that I would bring all that research into the performance and show everyone on stage, see how much research I did. Do you see my yeah. choices? Do you see them? Because that's what's fascinating about acting. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what makes it. And then I remember acting. I had seen um the Anthony Hopkins Nixon movie had come out. And I, I, loved I liked it too. <laughs> too. But I remember watching I really it and going, it. Oh, King John is Nixon. Like I, I saw the um, you know, like no, but like it makes sense. Like uh, yeah, uh, like parallels. Richard the Lionhearted was like Kennedy, everyone loved him. And again, but I was like, mm. I took yeah. all that and I was like, Oh, he's Nixon, and I'm gonna show everyone this. Do you see? Do you see what I'm doing? <laughs> That's what it was. And then I saw it. Guys, to top it all off. I liked it. To top oh, it God. all off, we had to ride horses in this production. Yes, this you was did. this was what? my I don't want to say that sometimes I might do Richard Dreyfus on this podcast because we all know it's the real Richard Dreyfus. Of course. But this was truly my Richard Dreyfus moment <laughs> in the sense that I felt like I was Richard Dreyfus and the Goodbye Girl. Because right. there's that moment where, you know, the director decides that he wants uh, Richard Dreyfus to play, Richard Dreyfus's character is playing Richard III, and he wants him to play him like flamingly, flamingly, like ridiculously <laughs> over the top, like full lisp, ho like ridiculous homosexual stereotype. And <laughs> Dreyfus doesn't want to do it at all. And like... He just sort of like, the, I think there's a scene of him like where he just like sucks it up and he's like, I'm just going to do this because I'm an actor. Yeah. And he goes out yeah, and yeah. it's ridiculous. <laughs> so I get back from England and I'm so excited. I got my books of research. I, I got all the stuff that I got in England. And I show up to this woman, Anne's apartment for our first rehearsal. And uh, I'm like all prepared to like discuss all this stuff. And she goes, <laughs> and she was French. So forgive my bad French accent. Uh oh. So I was like, so I really want to talk about this this idea that I have uh, with Richard Nixon. She's like, this all sounds wonderful, but first, I want to tell you about the horses. And I was like, the, the what? She's like, the horses. First, take. I want to tell you about the horses. Yeah. She goes, <laughs> that's bad. Take off your belt. I was like, what? Oh, just take off your belt. God. And I'm like, oh my God, is this like the whole casting couch thing that I've always heard? Of? It's finally oh, happening. Yeah. Right? So I take off my belt, and then basically she she takes it and she holds it like it's a harness. And she proceeds to do this. She proceeds to tell me that we're all going to be entering. We're all going to be on horseback and we're going to be entering on the horses. And she does this like little dance with her legs where the bottom half of her body is the horse. And on her, she was a dancer. So it looked, it actually sort of looked elegant and beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. You take a group of <laughs> 10 guys 
in like bad costumes and like Timberland army boots. Dude, it was fucking ridiculous. It was Monty Python and the Holy Grail. All you needed were the coconuts. And that's what ah, we did ah, in, ah, in yeah. Allswell, Dan. That's literally what we did at Hudson yeah. Valley. But we had but an actual horse apparatus that yeah, we, we had stepped an apparatus, into. But we were like no, doing it, and it was And we're you can't. I mean, you know, the listener can't see this, but like. We had to like pretend that we were on the horse. I'm giving speeches as King John while my legs are like boom, 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 boom. And- Fred, it was good. It's what I remember about the show. When I wow. said you were great in that, I'm picturing you there with. Is it Timmer? Was Timmer? Timmer. In that with That's you right. Too? First met our friend Timmer. Timmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're and like Anne-Marie and you're, Higgins. you're doing speeches and Anne Marie, who was then uh, oh, that was your Laertes and Ophelia, yeah. respectively, in the Hamlet, uh, where you played Hamlet the following year. And and yeah, and I remember that. I remember you. <laughs> I was like, yeah, he's acting like he's on a fucking <laughs> fucking horse while he's giving the speech. Ridiculous. He's a fantastic actor. It was terrible. It was ridiculous, but it was also sublime. It was. Uh, it was uh, like the, uh, it was, uh, uh, but it was uh, just that like that perfect like New York off yeah. off off Broadway actor moment. Yeah. And I and I remember like That's being off off Broadway and for being you. backstage <laughs> every night. It was that Richard Dreyfus moment of just going. Oh fuck! Okay, I just got to do it. I just got to commit, and then boom, gallop, 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 gallop onto the stage. And I mean, the, and I had this oh beard, God. this terrible-looking beard. I, it was, it was not good. I, everyone in it was wonderful. I was just miscast and stupid, and no, not a good horse. Not a good horse. Find that. Find you know, that. The bottom does, half of you true. was miscast. The top half, fantastic, <laughs> fantastic. I thought you were great. I thought you were great. What the hell was I doing? I was, I was about to play Mercutio oh, at Texas Shakespeare Festival. Oh, it was going to be my first summer there. I had probably around this time I had gotten, well, no, I probably would have gotten the offer a little earlier than this, but I was very excited about that. Um, and I had just done, you had seen me do <laughs> Peter Quince at, at BAM, oh, right? Did you see me so do good. that? So yeah. good. Loved it. Uh, loved it. Loved it. Loved it. <laughs> Midsummer with Kristen Linklater and some other oh my God. Uh, fancy people. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, it was like, it was with that unrehearsed Shakespeare company that oh, I worked wow. with. So Kristen and her son, Hamish, who's now a big, you know, mm. yeah. I did a lot of shows with Hamish in like the mid nineties. And and then he he blew up. Uh, he's so such a talented guy. Wow. But it was a fun time. I loved it. I was, this is when I was living, I was way downtown in the financial district on Gold Street, with Jim Bowden, mm-hmm. our buddy from Hofstra, and uh, and Anton Strout uh, ah. also went to Hofstra briefly. Uh, rest he passed in peace. a couple of years yeah. ago. Rest in peace. Mm. And uh, their Great buddy guy. Mike Dowling. They all knew each other from from Massachusetts, from like Pittsfield. And uh, Mike had gone to NYU, and they were all in the city, and they had this apartment. And I moved in in like just two months earlier. I moved in with them, and. It was, I loved it. I loved that apartment, but it was this weird, you know, down in the financial district. This is before people like lived down there, really. I mean, it was like at six o'clock, it was a ghost town down there. There, You know what I mean? Like there mm, yes. were really, there were apartment buildings, but there were very, it was not, it's not a residential neighborhood. Now it is, you know, but it, it, it wasn't then. And and it was this great apartment. It was this duplex, you know, it was this little like spiral It was, like, cool. was there once or twice. It was yeah. a cool it was a very cool apartment. Downstairs was the living room, bathroom, kitchen. And and we had like, uh, I, I feel like we even had like a little, I want to call it, say it was like a, a, 
a terrace, but we did have like big, big windows in the, in the living room. It was like sliding doors. It was, but it wasn't, we didn't really have access to like go sit outside or anything, but it was, it was beautiful. And then upstairs was, was, was a big, was a big walk-in closet. And then just a, just a, a space. It was just a one big room yeah, and that. it was four adult men living there. Like I remember this. We had, uh, we had, <laughs> But kind of. Hey, I'm Rip Taylor. Could you die? <laughs> and we had, you know, we all just had our beds, which were really just mattresses on box. We didn't even have bed. Nobody had a bed frame. Everybody had like their beds and had their little, you know, like these little kind of portable, like, you know, like a set of like plastic drawers, basically for our clothes. You know what I mean? And then we mm-hmm. had sections of the closet. And we thought nothing was weird about this. And they all had girlfriends who basically lived with us too. Wow. Like, so we would go to bed at night. We had the best fucking time. We'd watch movies. We'd <laughs> hang out. We'd, we'd drink. We'd go up to the, we'd all go up to the loft, get in bed and we'd talk and stuff. And I don't know how these people had sex. I don't know when they had sex. I can't remember when they had sex, but all the couples were, well, I guess they all, the women all had their own apartments, I think. And they must've gone over to their, like Paula. I, I don't remember where she was living. I think she essentially lived there. Uh, I remember uh, you being a very quiet, tender, caring lover. I think you were probably (laughs) the quietest. Well, you know what? I brought, in the time I lived there, I brought one young woman back there. And we were having a great time before Mm -hmm. I brought her back to that apartment. (laughs) And then I never spoke to her again afterwards. Because she said what this is, is called a flop house. And I don't (laughs) want to go here or have sex here. Well, I brought her there. It was like one night when everybody was going to be out, which was like maybe the one night in the year I lived there where Mm -hmm. nobody was there and I could bring a person home to have sex. But when she saw the setup, it looked like... (laughs) It looked like I had a great Muppet caper. Where it was like, like a hostel with like Muppets hanging out from it. It was like, how many people live here? How many organisms live here and hang off of different, you know, how many, whose dirty sheets are those? Whose bathing suit is that? What, you know, and I kept thinking afterwards, I was like, why is it Charles Grodin I, here? Was he in that one? <laughs> I was like, it must have been that I wasn't good in bed. I was like, why did she never, why couldn't, was she like not interested in hanging out anymore? And I was like, you weren't good in mattress. So it wasn't nothing had, to do with bed. I had no perspective on the fact that a, a, a woman would probably walk in there and be like, this isn't for me. This <laughs> Why am I having sex with a guy on a, you know, on a mattress on the floor with four other mattresses? Like, I can't do this a second time. God forbid somebody walks up with a toothbrush. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. Once is like, hey, have a good night. You know, it's like, no, you got to have a dedicated girlfriend who accepts your foibles and your flaws to do that, to move into that situation. And you and you've since found a peach of a woman oh. who will share a mattress on the floor with you. Yay. She would, but not if you guys were there. Oh, yeah, I think she would. Yes, yeah, she would. Like, <laughs> yes, she would. She loves us. She does love you. Yay. But not in that way. Not as much as James <laughs> loved his giant peach. And that's called a segue. Could you die? <laughs> James and the giant peach. I don't know. I'll say it a few different. I'll give you three. <laughs> Sorry, forget it. <laughs> You gotta be fucking kidding. From Walt Disney Pictures. Papan James! Comes the wildest. Holy shipwreck! Weirdest. You enormous bugs! Fascinating, isn't it? Most exciting motion picture adventure of the year. He's gonna cut me in half! 
James and the Giant Peach. Featuring a visually sumptuous and sometimes jarring blend of stop-motion animation and live-action storytelling, this inventive adaptation of Roald Dahl's beloved children's tale follows the adventures of James, played by Paul Terry, an orphaned young British boy forced to live with his cruel aunts, played by a heavily made-up and truly frightening Joanna Lumley and Miriam Margulies. James finds a way out of his bleak existence when he discovers an enormous enchanted peach growing in his aunt's decidedly Tim Burton-esque front yard. After burrowing into the peach as a human child and being transformed into an animated puppet in a sequence that can best be described as looking like a magical colonoscopy, James rolls the buoyant fruit into the sea and sets sail for New York City, accompanied by a crew of friendly talking insects, played by the likes of Susan Sarandon and Richard Dreyfus. A magical colonoscopy is what I received on the mothership at the end of Close Encounters of the Feared Kind. <laughs> that was an impression of Richard Dreyfus as opposed to the real Richard Dreyfus who calls in every so often. Director Henry Selleck's follow-up to his highly successful The Nightmare Before Christmas, James and the Giant Peach earned $7.5 million over its opening weekend en route to a total box office of $28.9 million. Fred and Dan, what did you boys think of James and his Giant Peach? I remember reading the book uh, a lot when I was a kid. Like It was kind of my favorite book i think but man did i not remember it i mean unless i never read it unless this strays wildly from the book which i don't think it does i was like oh i was settled in for like oh this will bring back great memories didn't bring back a single memory i remember there was a kid named james and a peach and that's it (laughs) and and i was like i don't remember the two evil ants i don't remember the parents you know getting killed by a quote rhino um which i I guess means you know they passed away uh the the i don't remember him being friends with bugs i i I remember like (laughs) the descript i would i remember reading over and over again the description of the peach like it was, you know, like how it tasted and and everything. And I remember mm. that. But everything else must have just been like backburnered in my memory because every, mm. everything in this movie was a surprise. It was like I had never read the book, basically. Um, and uh, I just didn't, you know, it, it, it had no, you know, I was I was gearing up for like a, a reminiscence, you know, and, and nostalgia. Yeah. But it just didn't it didn't happen. So I guess I totally forgot this book that I remember fondly really loving as a kid. So isn't that weird? That's, that's crazy. I just completely. I, I never read the book. I saw this movie in the theater. I didn't remember anything about it. Last week I described it. I said, stop motion, motion animation, blah, blah, blah. That's all I read. Right. I didn't know. I didn't remember there was any live action in it. I didn't remember most of this. And of course you could say like yeah. it's been 20 something years, but, but it was even, it goes, it cuts even deeper than that. I was like, I feel like I've never seen this at all. And I, and I know yeah. I saw it in a theater. It's weird. Well, oh, did you really? Yeah. I did not see it when yeah. it came out. And, and, um, you know, I, I, I do, um, I enjoy Henry Selleck. I enjoy Tim Burton. I, you know, loved the visual look of this. It's in a way it's even, and this is a weird thing to say. It's 
even darker in tone, I think, than Nightmare Before Christmas. Nightmare yeah. Before Christmas has I at agree. least, you know, lighthearted, funny stuff happening. This has funny, you know, there's some some genuinely funny moments, mostly surrounding the, the Richard Dreyfuss uh, um, centipede, yeah. you know, which I think was was great. And I did, had no idea that was Richard Dreyfuss until the credits. I went, Nothing oh my I. God. I didn't is, know that until I was literally typing. I didn't even notice it in the credits. I was typing up the notes for this. I was like, Richard Dreyfuss. <laughs> Oh, who's the centipede? It's an amazing yeah. voice cast. Like one of oh, yeah. one of the better voice casts in a movie. It's so yes. It's like it's so all over the place. Like all the vo- David Thewlis. Right. I knew, yeah. I recognized David Thewlis almost immediately. I was like, I know that voice, and I love that voice. He was my favorite. I loved <laughs> his voice. And then yes. just as I'm watching, was yeah, I didn't know. Was he the grasshopper? He was the worm. He was the, the worm. Earth worm. He was the worm. Yeah. yeah. I had no idea who anybody was. I didn't know Susan Sarandon was in it either. Yeah. I, didn't I know knew who it was, was Sarandon. You know why? Because she does a French accent as um, as oh. Bart's ballet teacher on an episode of The Simpsons. <laughs> so as soon as she started talking, I was like, that sounds familiar. It's Susan oh, Sarandon. Oh. oh, funny. Yeah. I had a red striped dress on and red fuckly pumps. Oh, I guess I can't oh, wow. say that. Yeah, no. I, I got about no three quarters more. through the movie before I was like, I got to find out who's playing yeah. the, the caterpillar because I had no I couldn't think and then I saw the whole list and I was I, yeah, I, yeah I thought they were all pretty delightful the, the voice yeah, performances they were great. Simon Callow was the uh, grasshopper oh, right, uh, right, and it's, it's so wonderful and uh, um, you know and Joanna Lumley you're right I mean she she looks like the cartoon looks- of of Cruella DeVille yes like fully she looks like fully- the dude from Poltergeist 2 she was fucking oh, yes. terrifying yeah I didn't understand it. it was so good I was like is that she's not she's a Beautiful, per- this beautiful is, woman. This makeup is so intensely good great. on her. Yeah. It doesn't. It was scary. It was really scary. Yeah. She looked really scary. And she looked Selleck amazing. Is Coraline also right? Is that yes, Henry Selleck? I believe so. I love, I believe, love that. I really movie. love Coraline. And Joanna Lumley is is in that too. And I don't know if Miriam Margulies is as well. But they're they're basically the good version of the two characters <laughs> in this. You know, yes. sort of sort of the they're Coraline's little um, performer friends who are who are the ex actresses. And I believe that's also Joanna Lumley in, in that. In, in a very this is sort of like the. The inverse uh, of that. I, I I liked this movie. I wanted to like it a lot more. And I don't know what the missing piece of the puzzle was for me, but I think it was kind of a, when it, when it ended, I went, OK, so what's the point? What's this really saying? What's it teaching? If anything, what's the main theme? And I couldn't wrap my head around it. And I and I I, I want to hear what you guys have to say. I feel like it's something like uh, stories can heal us. Stories can save us. Um, telling our tale can help heal wounds, you know, or because that seems to be how it ends when Pete creepy, creepy, creepy Pete Postlewaite comes out and is like, ting and winks at the winks at us and is like, you're scary, you know, but uh, he's the stranger that gives him the green bugs or whatever they are, tongues that make him magical, which was like, I don't remember that from the book at all. But uh, is that what this is ultimately saying or is it just like, is it really not, Does is it theme less? Is it just like, Come on a great adventure with this little boy who who needs who needs a win, basically. It, it, it's like, it seems like it's 
a little Cinderella and Harry Potter and just kind of like a little bit of, you know, like just play. It seems, um, uh, mm. I don't know if it's, I didn't, I didn't uh, take away any strong themes from it, but Nor I did, did feel I. like it was playing on a lot of dark, like Freudian type, you yes. know, like fears and loss and longing and, and looking for, I mean, literally like I made a joke about the colonoscopy thing, but it is like, <laughs> like the peach is like a very womb like, and very like, it, it's, is. it is literally nourishing and it is it's like protective. going to yeah. safety and it's protective and it's going home to the place his mother and father told him about New York yes, city. It's, yes, it's yes, weird. Yes. It, the thing, if this movie doesn't, like, I was surprised. I don't know the book. I never read that book, uh, but I never read. I don't think I ever read a Roald Dahl book. And I know that um, his writing is a source of controversy now for all the, the ways in which they're trying to, like, change and rewrite and use more sensitive language oh, okay. in his books so that children aren't, you know, traumatized, adversely traumatized. <laughs> or but it's stuff like saying instead of calling Augustus Gloop fat. In Charlie and the Chocolate uh, Factory, they say he's enormous, as as if that's better. Okay. But it's not using as that sounds words. worse. Uh, yeah, <laughs> well, that's I. Re I was reading right. articles about it last night. You know, there's lots of debate about. They're like, changing. People are like, we should cancel. They've changed the, yeah, the they've language changed. in the book. The language in the books, which people are like freaking out about. That's on that's both a, ends. That's Some people are saying much. like you should you should just cancel the books entirely. Right. It's it's you know it's that's the. You know, saying it's too, it's too, um, the language of the images or the, the, the point of worldview is too kind of dark and cruel for children. And then there are other Aye. people who are like, what are you talking about? That's fairy tales. That's, yeah, that's, you know, that goes and, back and to it's also like fairy tales and everything else. And, and you're taking this man's, I know he has an estate, the, the estate is what allowed them to make this movie. He had, I don't know when he passed away, but it was his, either his wife or his children allowed them to make a movie of James and the giant peach. Mm. He didn't want a movie made of this. Oh, okay. um, and uh, they said, okay, it's like when Dr. Seuss passed and then all of a sudden his, his widow allowed, right. you know, uh, different uh, movies to be made of his properties. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like I, uh, like I said, I don't have um, a nostalgic thing for the book and, and I admire Henry Selleck and I admire the stop motion animation so. and the, and, and that, and the talents of the actors. And, and I, I, like I said, I was really surprised by the fact that it's not just one visual style and it also isn't just simply we're in live action and then we snap to stop motion animation. There are different types of animation throughout. Yes. Even when it's live action, the backdrops are so artificial. Some of them look like, like models. Some of them look like matte painting. Matt paintings, Some of them look like, say, yeah. like just drops behind them. I mean, it looks like yep. they're playing with a lot of different visual tricks and styles mm -hmm. it, it feels a little fever dreamish but it doesn't yes. uh, it doesn't strike me as it, it feels very primal in that sense like when i said the freudian thing it yeah feels that's like a it's great word for it and, and i think that's sort of maybe to your because i was wondering the same thing dan uh like what is there a theme and what am i supposed to be getting from this in the end and i and i and i agree i i didn't but i don't yeah. know me, I, I, I'm with you, Jason. I, I never read the book. I don't think I've read any of his stuff before. No. Um, and I, this is the first time seeing the movie uh, for me. And I was very, as you said, completely shocked when it started. And I'm going, wait, it's, this is live action? Right. I, I'm not, it, my, like my mind was I felt wasn't, bad. I led you astray last week because I forgot there was any live action. I wasn't I was like, mentally prepared about? for it, but I really yeah. liked it. I loved 
I love the style of it. I love that there's like, there's like this gauzy hue over all of it in the beginning. Yes. Um, you know, it looked like an old, like, you know, uh, Georges Millier movie, mm-hmm. like colorized mm-hmm. in a way, you yes. know, um, it had that feel like when you'd see like uh, March of the Wooden Soldiers and they would colorize it and right. something like looked a little, it yes. wasn't exactly right. I really off. liked that. Um, and, and, it reminded me a lot of, and it, this is something too, where I'm like, I don't really know what the theme of this is. It reminded me a lot of Time Bandits. And that oh, kid, that yeah, the kid good, especially, yeah. I mean, they literally yep. had the same like accent, you know, the same type of British accent as the kid in right. Time Bandits. Equivalent. Yeah. And how there's like this, just like this weird creepy darkness that pervade. And I love Time Bandits. That movie has such a yeah. special place in my heart. And, um, but it it, 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 that. it that that was the feel I got from it, and that's another. That's a movie that, and it's about a boy, you know, who I mean, he does have a family, but he's sort of ignored, and he I think he wants mm. more, and and similar. Yeah. And this a is band a kid. of misfits who's yeah, with him. exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, you know, going on this fantastical journey, and this a lot of this was you were talking about the different animation styles. I mean, there's that one sequence that was like right out of Terry Gilliam, right out of like a Monty Python, like interstitial. Yes. Um, yep. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm yes, blanking on the yes. moment. I thought the same thing where it's like the cutouts, you know, uh, it's the cutouts and, and his head, James's head is on a caterpillar. Isn't that yes, right? Yeah. Oh, so he's having the dream. Creepy. He's having the nightmare. Yeah. yeah That's what it is. Dream. Yeah. Um, but I, I really, I really liked it. I thought it was, it was so, again, I, I couldn't compare it to the book because I don't know the book, but I just thought, this is crazy. This is all over the place. And Very. yeah, they're really going to some dark, dark places. I had a red striped dress on and red fuck me pumps. Oh, I guess I can't oh, wow. say that. Yeah, the music didn't stick with me, but I loved his no, first song. No, the Randy Newman the, music. The one, uh, the My Name, My Name is James. I don't know if that's what it's called, but I... That got me right off the bat. I just thought it was beautiful. I loved his voice. It sounded like the lyrics, like a little kid would make up if they're just making up a song, you know? I think that was my favorite song. Yeah. My name is James. That's what mother called me. My name is James. So it's always been. Sometimes I forget when I'm lonely or afraid, then I'll go inside my head and look for James. And I love the design of the, the all the animals and the insects. There was something very mechanical about them too, which I thought mm-hmm. was so interesting. Like the spider had like the little spool that would pop out of her back. Like they seemed like mechanical toys yeah. and insects combined. And it was, I don't know, the whole thing just seemed like it was like a nice exercise in style, but I was just so, yeah, yeah I don't know what it all added up to. Once it got yeah. to New York uh, and, and <laughs> it, it, I, I don't want to say it, it lost the thread, but it wasn't as <laughs> I was waiting for the big, the big, like, ah, yes. Like the big stab to the heart or something and uh, didn't really get that. It was just a little, just more like out and out. 
feel good, you know, feel good kids movie. Well, and I guess it's like he finally finds his bravery or his sort of ability to stick up for himself. And yeah. you, you, he, he, but it's dissipated because he stands up to the rhino cloud storm already. And then he's got to sort of say, leave me alone to Joanna Lumley and Miriam Margulies. And, and it sort of doesn't have that same impact because he's already had his climactic, you know, leave me be moment with the rhino. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's, it's a, it's a, it's sort yeah. of a second, a secondary climax that doesn't have, you know, as much, uh, as much oomph behind it. Cue Rip Taylor. Hey, I'm Rip Taylor. Could you die? <laughs> as an actor, I've had the chance to perform on Broadway in the movies and on TV. And as a comedian, I've thrown confetti all over the world. <laughs> But as a child, my world was made up of abusive parents in foster homes. And to save myself, I developed a code of comedy and eventually made a career of it. What I did read is that the ants... Oh, I'm sorry, I read that because I don't know the book. But the ants die at the beginning of the book. They're the peach... Rolls, rolls over, over them. them and kills yeah. them. So you don't have that okay. need for a second. So that's end. why. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't yeah, know how the okay. book ends or anything, so, but that uh, idea of like standing up to the ants or like escaping them again as a coda, it's that thing we talk about all the time in like contemporary horror films and so yes. where it's like you gotta have the killers gotta come back one more time and it always right. feels like it's just a little too much. It's and, but it's because they want to, you know, like fill out the movie more, like pad it out. Yeah. But yeah, those villainesses are gone in the book by this and point. You don't so, really yeah. need them at the end of the movie. I mean, they're, they were fun. It they were great. Weird, but I, I felt back, like, yeah. oh, they made it, they're back. And I sort of like, I love the idea of the rhino. And I know that it's a metaphor, but I, I, I like that it was visualized and I, I, I sort of wish. Didn't Woody Harrelson buy one from Billy Connolly? <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> he saw the rhino. I'm that was the thing. I'm so sorry. he and Demi Moore's character, went, their, one of their first dates was James and the Giant Peach and they fell in love God. with rhinos. Rhinos were too expensive. So rhinos go for two million. A hippo you can buy on the market for one million. Just so, that makes sense. Right. Yeah, that makes so that's sense. why they were like, you know, someday I might buy you a hippopotamus. It's more affordable <laughs> than, I know you love rhinos, but. Just don't sell me to people. I don't need it. Just please stop selling me to people sexually. I'm sorry. You Please go on with your point about the rhino, Fred. I'm an asshole. that when he does finally stand up to, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's just like this idea of like. You know, you know, conquering your fears and and you know, yeah, maybe that's all. Finding that bravery, I almost, I sort of wish that you didn't see. Obviously, we know that the rhino is the storm, and maybe the parents were killed in a terrible storm. I almost wish that you didn't see the rhino just blow away and become a part of the storm. I like the fact that in the, I remember thinking in the beginning, like, it's a fucking rhino. What? Yeah. Like, I know this is a metaphor, but they're showing it's a rhino in the sky. And I right. like that. And to me, that was, that just starts off like, okay, this is the world we live in. There's a weirdness to this movie. There's something a little mm-hmm. askew. And maybe it's all in this kid's head, which is great. Again, that's the thing as a little kid, you know, you don't know. It's like the story that, you know, we've, we've talked about and I think we've talked about on the podcast, Dan, and, and Dan, you know, when we were doing Pier Gint and I was telling you about the nightmare I had when I was a little kid, yes. I would hear these noises in the pipes and the heat, you know, it was just the, the mm-hmm. heat being yes. turned on. But I thought there was a giant anteater monster living in my wall. And it's like that type of thing that yeah. as a kid, you <laughs> come like, oh, those noises in the sky, it's got to be a giant rhino. 
Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I love that and it's all in his imagination. I sort of wish that it just remained all the way through. Like, yeah, there was a rhino and he scared mm. away the rhino. But was the rhino actually the storm clouds? Yes. As adults, we know that. But I, I didn't, you know right. what I'm saying? Like, I didn't want to see yeah. it. So. And now you're sort way. of, uh, evo- you know, you're sort of uh, revealing, I think, one of the one of the themes of it, which is sort of early on, the parents say, no, you got to look at things in a different in a way. Different way. Right. And yes. that Looking sort of that thread, yeah. that thread goes all through this, including like the, the, the visual style of it. Right. We go from live action to stop motion. And that's looking, th- getting the audience yeah. to do that and say, look at this in a different way different way. And it's going to be this story about, you know, um, uh, a a boy and his insect friends inside of a, inside of a peach. And, and I, I guess it's just, you know, kind of what you're, you're, you're really hitting the nail on the head here, Fred, because it's like, okay, what do kids do to, in order to deal with fear, to deal with trauma, to deal with uh, tragedy sometimes is fantasized. They escape into fantasy. You know, if you look at things in a different way, then that will help you to get through life's really hard times. Right. Is that what it is? Yeah, I guess, I, I guess so. I mean, it's, I think it's a tool for everything, right? Look at your problem in a different way. Like yeah. look for the creative solution. Look at that. I, I think that's brilliant. I didn't think about the fact that all the different styles and sometimes like within a frame within a scene mm-hmm. there's multiple visual styles playing out together that yeah. that's all part of that idea of look at it a different way look at it a different way yep. i think when you say that like you, you, the idea of like the fantasy world or the stop motion world crashing into and colliding with the real world yeah. it never quite does that because the the quote unquote real world is not i mean there's human actors populating it's it not but really everything real. is yeah. still so artificial it looked like right. um it looked like the shadow to me or like you know that yes. kind of art deco oh, okay it had yeah. like a bit of that like really kind of very matte paintingy very miniature yes. uh, you know uh production design that we've seen in other movies it would have been interesting if it was like oh shit this is like really new york city i mean you know because i didn't even get the sense mm. from the beginning of the film that it was necessarily a period piece per se, except that they say the tallest building in the world is right. That's the uh, at that clear. time, you yeah. know, uh, there's no world trade center or whatever. It's like the tallest building is the empire state building. So, you know, it's in the past somewhere, right. I guess at the time that the book was written probably or something. And yeah. the choice to have quote unquote, modern day New York city be a period New York city is interesting too, but I was kind of surprised by that. I thought I he was, was going to come to a New York City that was a little more contemporary and recognizable to us. And, yep. and that might have been interesting to see like the total fantasy world collide with a super quote unquote, you know, naturalistic yes. or realistic New York City. Yeah. I don't know if that would have been just maybe even too jarring or too tonally out there. But um, where James sees yeah, Fred in yeah, line to, to audition for rent and is like, <laughs> you're never going right. to give up. You look at it a different way. Go into accounting. <laughs> you're not the right type. Get off. No, you're cut. <laughs> you, know, you, know what's, you know what's interesting? And what? And I don't feel this way about Coraline, which I really love. I, I love think it too. Superior. As I was watching this, I was like, why am I, why do I keep falling out of this? Why, why do I Same. keep disconnecting? And it's a thing that I'm not crazy about in animation of any sort. When... I was like looking at the eyes. All the eyes are just little dark dots. There are no, mm-hmm. there's, there's no, you know how 
eyes are so expressive and there's so many different components to a, a human eye or even yeah. a cartoon eye like that you know there are no whites of the eyes there's no color to the eye. they're all just i mean the spider has multiple eyes right. because yeah, that was cool but that was cool but there's not in the animated characters there's no there's very little personality or life in the eyes of any of the characters mm-hmm. and that made it hard i i made a note of that that i found that I, I was like, maybe this is why it's a little hard for me to connect emotionally yeah. with the characters, with James and the other characters. And the actor is great who does James's voice and plays him in live action. Mm-hmm. And and the close-ups on that puppet are sometimes very effective, but there's something... I like more expressive eyes in my animation, I Agreed. guess. And uh, uh, that, that held me at a little bit of a remove, too. Yeah. But, but again, maybe yeah. it went with that... There, there was that mechanical sense, even like the mechanical shark, you know, everything, they were all right. little, like almost like wind up toys. Yes. You know? Right. Right. Even right. like the grasshopper, yeah. the head was like, it was like a knight's helmet, you know, there was something metallic yes. about it. So mm-hmm. again, and I don't cool. know if that goes to that period of like w- the period that James is living in where those were the toys, they were all little wind up metallic toys. I don't know. But even that with the metallic shark, I thought that was so interesting. Like, why isn't it a real shark? Why is it? It's, and again, it just kept bringing me back to like this Terry Gilliam thing where just things are just, mm-hmm. there's like this weird design to everything and you're not really sure what the reason. I'm sure there's, there must have been a reason. Mm-hmm. You know, there must have been when they were discussing when Henry Selig was like, this is what I'm picturing things or the animation department. Obviously, they said, let's do something where there's a, a, a mechanical toy quality to everything. Mm-hmm. But within that, maybe that comes down so how. How the, how the eyes were designed as well. Um, but I do remember. I guess, I know, I was just going to say, I guess you're, you're making me think of like, you know, maybe in the design process um, or the, or the process of sort of envisioning the, the art direction of the piece, you know, in a sense that they're going, what's the opposite of a peach? You know, a peach mm. is healthy. <laughs> it's natural. It's, it's, orange it's juicy it's you know from nature soft moist round uh, i'm getting so fucking turned on right now oh my god God. scoop of that and then burrow into it guys can we get a bunch of mattresses and just throw them down in a big room (laughs) oh Oh, cue everything rip taylor ever did could you die? <laughs> as an actor, I've had the chance to perform on Broadway in the movies and on TV. And as a comedian, I've thrown confetti all over the world. <laughs> but as a child, my world was made up of abusive parents in foster homes. But it made myself adopt a code of comedy and eventually made a career of it. I can't speak. I like how the Rip Taylor clip has become our new Bill Cosby clip. Bill Cosby, you know, he's been canceled. So hmm. now it seems like... You know, Taylor might become our new. It's sort of like what might happen with Jonathan Majors as Kang. You know, like he's out. Oh. He's been canceled. We're gonna bring a new Kang in now. I, if if Rip Taylor plays Kang, I know he's he's not with us anymore. Just and and every little bit of confetti is another variant of Kang. Like lands in a different universe. <laughs> They're all multiverses. Oh Each God. piece of confetti is another multiverse. Oh. I've thrown confetti all over the world. I've thrown confetti all over the world. I've thrown confetti. 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 Wow.
This is a movie. I remember when we talked about Annie and I said how my friend directed a production with a really jarring ending. This is a movie where the kid should wake up in an orphanage at the end. It's the darkness oh. of the film lends itself. It would like if it, if it happened, you'd he'd be you'd be like, yeah. I was sort of wondering. Right. Yeah. I was sort of wondering if it was going to end on a much darker note. I thought darker that. Note. Yeah. I thought, and I'm sort of glad this didn't happen. I thought once they were getting once I was like, oh shit, they're really in New York. I thought that. It was going to be like he was going to arrive. The insects were going to sort of disappear. He was going to be taken into a more realistic version of New York. And then he'd be mm. like, yeah, in an orphanage. And there would be, a, you know, like a, a janitor being like, hey, kid, how you doing? And you, it's like it would be Richard Dreyfus, And like it would, all, be it would almost be like the Wizard of Oz where it's like Wizard of Oz. All Wizard of those Oz, insects yeah. are actually real yes. people as a part mm. of his life now, sort of. And you know that he's going to be taken care of. You know, in the real mm. world. It's yeah. a much better movie. Fred, make that movie. <laughs> make that movie. Make that movie. Yeah. They're talking about doing a remake of James. And, and if anyone's Peach. listening, and, oh, I got gotcha. you. There you Rick have Taylor, it. Taylor, are you listening? Yeah. Let Fred do it. <laughs> it can't be any weirder. Or, uh, How many Sheila's? Uh, I'm a little boy. I'm, I'm all over the one. place with this because I, I loved it visually and, and, it's so creative and I love Henry Selleck and I was rooting for this thing the whole time, but I, I, it was elusive to me. And, and I think that's in a weird way, part of its charm. I don't know. Um, but there's so much to like about it. I guess I'm in a, I guess I'm living in a, in a, uh, in a 6.5. I guess I'm living in there. I give it an know. eight. That's exact. Yeah. Okay. I thought You're it was an enjoy. I would watch it again. Nice. I would recommend it. Uh, yeah. I thought it was, an, like I said, it reminded me a lot of Time Bandits, and that's uh, I love that movie. And but yeah, I liked cool. it. I was I was like six point five or seven. I wasn't sure mm-hmm. where to go. I think I'll I'll go. I'll go with you, Dan, because I think I feel exactly the same way. It's I admire it yes. so much. I admire all the artistry of it and the creativity. I love Nightmare Before Christmas. I love Coraline. Yeah. But I don't love this. And I think 6.5 is is fair. I think it's uh, yeah. I think it has a lot to recommend it, but it is it is elusive to me. It doesn't wind up. I I wouldn't want Yeah, I saw it before, didn't remember anything about it. <clears throat> I saw it now. I'm not unhappy that I saw it. I'm no. glad that I revisited it, but I wouldn't I I can't see that I would want to watch it again. <laughs> but oh, well, you know, it wasn't a perfect movie, certainly. But I don't think it ever like flirted with any sort of disastrous results. <laughs> or... You won the contest. Flirting with disaster. Well, the mystery of your unknown self is about to unfold. Mel Copeland is going on a journey of discovery. I tell you, I went to the adoption agency and they found my real mother. Aren't we good enough parents? And it's going to be quite a trip. I'm Tina Kalb. Tina is with the adoption agency where you adopted me. Your mother lives in San Diego, California. Hi! <laughs> There's been a terrible mistake. Valerie's not your mother, Mel. I feel like a complete idiot. <laughs> Mel, your father is named Fritz Boudreau, and he lives in Gundle, Michigan. Your mother meets this guy, what, and they, they ran off, off yep. together. You're saying you're not sure if you're my father? Yeah, they ask your mother about that. We're going to New Mexico. Mary Schlichting. This is not the way I planned this trip. Well, I think you're doing a great job. You're attracted to her, aren't you? No. Now they're not just flirting with each other. Oh my God. Oh my God. They're flirting with disaster. You haven't been treating her very well, do you know that? 
adopted as a child, new father Mel Colton, played by Ben Stiller, decides he cannot name his son until he knows his birth parents and determines to make a cross-country quest to find them. Accompanied by his wife, Nancy, played by Patricia Arquette, and an inept adoption agent, Tina, played by Taya Leone, he departs on an epic road trip that quickly devolves into a farce of mistaken identities, wrong turns, and overzealous and love-struck alcohol, tobacco, and firearms agents, played by Josh Brolin and the always impeccable Richard Jenkins. Mm -hmm. Director David O. Russell's first film, Spanking the Monkey, Monkey? The Monkey? David O. Russell's first film, Spanking the Monkey, was such a critical darling that he had no problem lining up superstars like Lily Tomlin, Mary Tyler Moore, and Alan Alda for his sophomore feature. Ironically, the writer-director who is perhaps best known for being notoriously difficult on set decided against casting Burt Reynolds in the film because of his reputation for being notoriously difficult on set. Produced by Miramax in its heyday, Flirting with Disaster was far from a box office smash, but its $14.7 million box office haul eclipsed Russell's previous effort by nearly $13 million and was another critical feather in Harvey Weinstein's sweaty, immoral cap. Fred and Dan, what did you guys think of Flirting with Disaster? This was a very fun rewatch for me. I saw this when it first came out in the movie theaters mm. because I had ah. seen Spanking the Monkey. I had... You lived it. Heard, I'm just kidding. I lived it, yes. I, th- I mean, I think I saw the movie. I think it was just me in the mirror, right? <laughs> Doing what I do best. And I was like, this is real. Wow. Siskel and Eber were right. This is good. I didn't get typed out of this. I had known. I actually, I think, I think I first heard of Spanking the Monkey from Siskel and Ebert. I feel like I, 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 were they still around? Was that in the movie still around at that time? Yeah, So yes. So that's what it that movie would have been 94. That's what it was. I remember, so yeah, I remember still... seeing the review and thinking, well, that looks weird. And <laughs> I rented it. I remember renting it and watching it. And I haven't seen it since then, but I remember enjoying it and, think, and thinking, wow, this is indeed a weird movie. Mm. Uh, but it was it was really good. Basically about a you know guy who ends up sleeping with his mom. I think they sleep together at the end. Ah, the French. Anyway, I liked yeah. it. And I remember thinking, okay, I like this writer, director. Mm -hmm. This was also at the time, and we spoke about this when we did our Stiller Palooza episode. I was a really big Ben Mm -hmm. Stiller fan because of the Stiller show. uh, And this was sort of before he, the world did become a Stiller Palooza, you know? So he he was still, you know, somewhat of an unknown quantity, you know, in that sense that a lot of people, he, you know, if you knew him, you knew him, but he wasn't, you know, several years later who he'd become in terms of like, you know, being in every single movie. So I was like, oh, okay, I'm in, I'll check it out. And uh, I felt watching, rewatching it again, I felt the same exact thing as I did. I remember thinking this when I first saw it in, in the theaters was that I really, really liked it. I enjoyed it. What a fucking cast. I mean, talk about, you know, we did the whole episode on, you know, great ensemble casts. I mean, this this is is one one. of them. This is one of them. And I just remember thinking it goes a little off the rails once you get to New Mexico. Yes. And it gets a (laughs) little sort of like, whoa, what's going, you know, almost 
too screwball comedy. I remember thinking no. as soon as yeah. Alan Alden, Lily Tomlin's son, shows up, mm-hmm. I remember it, it, seeing <laughs> yes. him in the theaters going, what's happening? What's going on? Yeah. That being said, yeah. I, I still really enjoy it. I think it's so, like, y- you see who David O. Russell is going to become as a director. It's a little rough around the edges at times. He's still figuring stuff out. Yeah. But it's still pretty goddamn assured in t- I mean yeah the fact that he was able to get this cast is unbelievable and they are all they're all incredible at it I mean they're yeah. really it's 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 uh I mean I used the word before about the voice cast in James and the Giant Peach it's sort of delightful it's just so it's so different it's so unpredictable yes. you know it starts it's so simple the the idea a guy wants to find his birth parents very That's simple it. idea very mm-hmm. simple conceit simple idea yeah and then it just, it's like this very simple mission. And then it's like, okay, let's take this simple mission and throw in the craziest fucking characters, <laughs> you know, and little curveballs. And it just goes to places that you'd, at least for me, like, I was never expecting. You feel it in your light? It's really more about upper body strength, isn't it? No, it's all in the light. How? You'll see when you lose your balance. Taylioni is, I remember at the time when this movie came out, there was so much buzz about her. Like, this is it. We found our next mm. Lucille Ball. She's oh, going to be wow. huge. And and maybe to this, I mean, she's still got a great career, but I still feel like there are people who think she never really reached the degree of comedic superstardom that... Mm. And I feel like this movie sort of started that. There might have been something before that, but I I feel like it started around here where it's like, this is it. She's going to be huge. And it was always people going, ah, damn it, that wasn't the one that did it. Reviewers, critics would always talk about her in that sense. Is she that funny? uh, She's funny, but I mean, that, like, Lucille. I read that all the time. I read that all the time. Yeah, people really were like, this is going to be, she's this amazing, dry, comedic actress. And this style that we haven't seen before. uh, And Hmm. she's great in this. I mean, what a a, a fun, just again, an unpredictable, like, she's always wonderful. I don't even know who, like, she's, yeah, she's completely inept at what she does. And you just don't <laughs> expect that because she's got such a strong, almost uh, dominatrix-like personality, you know, like so yeah. obviously. She seems so organized right. and together and in control. Yeah. And then when it's like, she's just wrong again oh, and again. God. And, and uh, I love the story. I love the writing. Uh, th- th- it has maybe one of my favorite lines in a movie and it, and I don't remember this but when Richard Jenkins says without spontaneity the world of B&Bs is meaningless <laughs> I was like David O. Russell that was great I mean wow yeah. that's who, who beautiful beautiful <laughs> yeah. and they're all they're all just great Josh Brolin Josh Brolin I, I remember when I saw the Josh movie Brolin's in the theater great. thinking well I haven't seen that guy around since the Goonies right. like had he had he <laughs> yeah. done anything since since I'm sure he had, but uh, he probably had, but it's like, not that that's what I was thinking too. I was like, how much between the Goonies and this, how many times did I, you know, would I have been aware of him? God, he's, he's so good in this. Nancy was saying you guys were having some tension around all sex. Oh, was she? Yeah, really? Yeah. Oh. Hey, that happens to me too. But you know, a technique that I find useful humming to myself. 
humming to yourself. Yep, humming. Seems really? to release the tension so I can enjoy the flasia. It's great. Great. Thank you. Thanks for the tip. Bet. All right. Do you worry about the risk factor involved in gay sex? You know, maybe news to you, but not every gay man has uh, anal sex. That's where a lot of the HIV risk lies. For example, I'm very anal. I, I mean, in the, in the sense that I'm compulsively careful and clean about what touches my body. Not into penetration <laughs> at all. Do a fall. Okay, do we have to talk about this right now? I was gearing up for a completely different movie, you guys. I was confused. I thought I was about to watch some Gen X thing with Janine Garofalo. What? Reality Bites. Oh, you thought you were seeing Reality what Bites? That's what I was gearing up for. That is exactly what I thought the movie was going to be. And as the credits rolled, I went, Alan Alda? Mary Tyler Moore? Wait, 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 wait. Where's Janine Garofalo? Where's whoever else is in that? I thought I was sitting down to watch Reality Bites, which I also had never seen. I had never seen either. Is Ben Stiller in that? Yeah. Okay. That's what I yes, thought I was about is. to see was like a Gen X thing. And I was like, not, and I had no idea David O. Russell had anything to do with this. Did you mention that last week? Because I had no clue. Okay. Then I didn't catch it, but, but I was like, David O. Russell, wait, 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 what movie am I about to see? And then I was immediately taken by it. I was immediately just charmed by it. I thought it was, um, it's great you know, opening. unexpected and surprising, terrific opening. And what, you know, Oh, what I, I, love I love about um, his characters, uh, David Russell's characters, is that nobody's ever just the surface level this. There's always the flaws that get exposed underneath. And everybody has every single character in this has those. It, there are no stereotypes or 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 you know it's he sets it up he sets up the stereotypical whatever the stereo like Taylor leone like you were just saying the stereotypical totally has it together organized you know um a career woman who who's uh uh you know sharp and then you see all of her all of the cracks in the armor right and that's everybody in this whole thing and so that was that reminded me of you know, I, I think this might be uh, his my favorite movie of his. I really love Three Kings. We've we, we've um, you know yeah. discussed that on the podcast. I like the fighter very much. That's a totally different style. Mm-hmm. I like Silver Linings. You know, I think it's I think it's good, and I liked Joy. I, I liked that. You know, but but this was terrific. Never I've never one. seen Spanking the Monkey, but this was I really really loved this. I wasn't a fan of American Hustle. I didn't like. I I was like, eh, what this is in you doing this. Like for me. I love Do that you? one. Oh, okay, that and Three Kings are, and the I like I love Three Kings, The Fighter, and American Hustle. Those are my favorites. Yeah, I love Silver Linings movies. Playbook, and I like I did enjoy. Yeah, this I remember much. liking it and not going crazy for it. For, I don't know why. Maybe I need to see it again. I might agree Maybe with you, Dan. It. Though this might be my favorite of his as well. It just feels. It feels so fresh and rougher, so a little fun. rough around the edges. It fe- it yes. felt like when it started. I was like. Oh yeah, that's I, that's it was that feeling of that's what an indie movie in the '90s felt like. It had that feeling to it. You, you, you know what I mean? Yes, I know yeah. exactly what you mean. Yeah, like I can yeah, see. Yeah. I was like, right, because I remember seeing this. I saw it at the Lincoln uh, the Lincoln Plaza uh, Cinema. You know, mm. which I don't know if that's there anymore, up on uh, 68th, right by Lincoln Center. No, yeah. it's not. The small not one. The, not, the, not the Sony Lincoln Square, yeah. the one, the small one, the indie one. Yeah, I no, saw Regis Philbin and his wife at that theater one time. Speaking of joy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> we saw kids there, Dan, remember? Kids, remember? We oh saw, my God. We saw a double kids. feature. We saw kids <gasps> and something else. 
What wow. was the other movie, Dan? Now this is going to bother me. Uh, I think it was Adults. No. no, I don't remember what we saw. We saw two, it was um, a hot summer day, and we saw yeah, we saw we had a double feature date. You and me, Dan. Summer wow. of ninety something. Yeah. Well, it was probably very sexy because kids are very sexy movie. Yeah. But as a child, my world was made up of abuse. <laughs> But uh, no, I enjoyed this very much. And uh, I wasn't I didn't know what I was. I clearly was gearing up for some other movie utterly. And uh, I was I was so, so charmed by it. I was charmed by the baby. Not surprisingly, I loved the baby. Baby was my favorite <laughs> character in this. Babies. Uh, and uh, I really I, I, I never Patricia Arquette's one of those actresses that that kind of just skirts by me all the time. She's terrific in this. My God. She's yeah. so good in this. Oh She's my so gosh. simple. I, I, that's what that's what really drew me to her. I mean, there's a lot of things that drew me to her in this movie. Oh, no. oh, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm so sorry. She's gorgeous in this movie, though. I have to say, yes, they, they both are. Yes. But um, they, it was her simplicity. Ben Stiller, you mean? Ben Stiller's gorgeous. He's very gorgeous. I keep saying it. There was a simplicity to how she delivered her performance that was so yeah. disarming to me and and beautiful and honest. I thought I, she was great. You know, I have these uh, these these three Italian prints at home that I keep. Uh, I don't know what to do if I should frame them myself or maybe I should take I them to I would, I would somebody else. To the framer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's what I'll do. I mm-hmm. think that. Yeah. Do you want to take a shower? No, go ahead. No, I mean together. <laughs> I mean, your husband's been taking it for granted a little bit, don't you think? Yeah. yeah. Let me go get my shower cap. I said I tip my hand at the beginning. Richard Jenkins is yes. one of my favorite actors, and he is so good in he's this. So vulnerable, he's so, so good. He's never anything less than yeah. outstanding in everything he does, and. So interesting, ah. so quirky, so like alive. So uh, I, I remember the first time I saw him was Witches of Eastwick. And I was Ooh, like, yeah, Who is that guy. It was very much like seeing mm. Philip Seymour Hoffman <laughs> sent to the woman for me where, I mean, he's much older at that point. You know, the guy who must have been in his, at least in his thirties, if not forties, because he, you know, he's, I think he's one of those guys who probably always looked older because I think he, yes, had, you know, he was balding at an <laughs> earlier age, but he played Veronica Cartwright's husband, oh, wow. which is Vistrick. And I was like, what an interesting, interesting, interesting mm-hmm. performance. What an interesting performer. He's just always so, yeah, so vulnerable, so funny, so de- like <laughs> dead serious <laughs> and like so earnest. Uh, oh my God. And Step Brothers oh, is he's amazing. Terrific. Oh, he's dad. just amazing he's in everything brothers. he's ever done. I, I love him. But you know who's so good? And I don't know what her name is. The old woman who runs the B&B is hysterical. She's great. You are bad B&B guest. She's so good. (laughs) Great line. She's so good. But, But again, everybody is. Yes, this does very much. You're watching it and you're like, wow, this is, you could just call it. Yeah. Indie movie in the 90s, too, to some degree, because it has that everything about it. It looks like every indie, but the style, obviously, the the wardrobe, there's something about the rhythms and stuff. But it's better than most, you know, indie comedies from the 90s. Certainly, it's just it's you know, what's interesting about it, though, is I have been in this (laughs) business for 52 years. No, but no, what's funny is. I watch it and I think, okay, so so this very often the sophomore effort from like one of our great writer directors like that of this time, you, you, you're like, they feel almost fully formed. Like Paul Thomas Anderson with Boogie Nights, Wes Mm. Anderson with Rushmore. Mm. You're like, that's about as good as 
Isn't that funny? You know, yeah. Arguably as good as these directors right. get. And it's funny that you guys feel this way about this film. I do all those other movies I mentioned. I do prefer all mm. of them to this. Like I do. I'm a bigger fan of um, Three Kings, American Hustle yeah. and uh, Fighter is the so Fighter, different. The name of this. I think he's more yeah. It is very different. But I think he's uh, as a director, I think he's just more assured. There's something uh, more assured about his visual. I agree with you there. Yeah. I, I don't know mm. what it is. But that said, that's about the only <laughs> that's that's as, and that's not even a critique. That's just saying, like, in terms of like where I would rank this among David O. Russell movies. Like I said, there's some of his that I really don't care for, and this is definitely not one of those. It's very funny. There's nothing not to like, and it is. It's very simple. The conceit is simple. the The jumping off point is very simple. I think ultimately the theme is simple. Like you know, you're you know this 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 roving eye looking for you know looking for satisfaction or looking for um um, um meaning in what you mm. don't have in 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 looking over the uh, you know on the grass is always greener mentality like you know I, that yearning to for the other woman or the 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 birth parents or whatever it is he comes back to a place of yeah, no, yeah. I, I love what I have. I love who it's I am and who theme. I have and who and my, my life. It's yeah. very simple. It's as simple as it gets, but it is. And yes, I agree. The New Mexico part gets a little, it gets a little, um, it spirals yeah. a little that's bit. That's Taylor kind of checked out and was like, uh, okay, I don't know where yeah. this is going. Uh, that's how I felt. I felt it got a little, a little silly. I mean, a little uh, silly isn't the, maybe that is the right word. It yeah. gets a little sillier there. It's still grounded. But yet that's where we meet. Lily Tomlin and Alan Alda, I think, are amazing. And that's where Richard Jenkins goes on the LSD trip, which is fucking fantastic. Is this a musical table? Is this a musical table? Can I get you something? I'm not feeling very well. Here, let me help you. What is it? What are you going through? Do you want to lie down? Can I get you something, Paul? How do you feel? Vivid. Paul? What? I'm seeing colors that I don't want to see. You hear that? Just go with it. That's oh, right. Holy you need to lie down. Let me use this. Where everything's moving. Paul, can you hear me? Oh, God damn it. Lonnie! Let's not blow this out of proportion, everyone. Paul's going to come down in about 10 hours. Oh, 10 hours? My favorite line in the movie is, is Alan Alda saying, this is a non-smoking household <laughs> while, while Richard Jenkins on, on yes. LSD that they've drugged him with has his, like, fingers in his mouth. It's like... Alan Alda's got Richard Jenkins' hand in his mouth, and he's like, ah, "Listen, I'm smoking muscle." It's a very funny movie, and it's very surprising. It's yeah. always surprising yeah. you, and you know, I I didn't know. I, I, I the funny thing is, it is predictable in the sense that you meet these people, and I'm like, "That's not going to be his mom." That's oh, definitely see, not his I dad. Wasn't fair like, with you it. know, I there's the Goldilocksiness <laughs> of it where I'm like, this is not. You haven't found the <laughs> right funny. one yet. This is not quite right. I knew mm. that right away. And not that I knew that Taya Leone was going to be inept right. at her job or like screw things up so much as I could tell right away. I was like, this isn't it. This isn't the mom. I have a slight connection to this movie. Were you typed out of this? Uh, because what? the two, which I love, Celia Weston's daughters. <laughs> Celia Weston's daughters. Beth, Beth Ostrowski, who I worked with wife. in a MasterCard commercial. Hey, and she said, I, and I quote, you are magical. That's what she said to me. <gasps> oh, my God. She was yes, right. She, she was would right. have cast you in rent. <laughs> she oh would have. God. Yes, we did it. We did a MasterCard commercial that also had the great Kristen Schaal 
and the amazing Andrea Rosen oh, wow. as a part of it. Could you die? <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore is amazing. Sorry, Mary Tyler Moore. Oh God, she's so great. great. She's so great. Yeah, they're great together and, and just the banter, but you know there's love underneath it. They're great together. No, I really, Mary Tyler Moore is surprisingly great. Like Lily Tomlin and Alan Alda and George Siegel are all wonderful and they're giving Lily Tomlin, Alan Alda, George Siegel vibes. Mary Tyler Moore is like, I'm like, that's Mary Tyler Moore? Like, you know what I mean? I was like, this is just such a character that's not like any character I've seen her do before. It's wonderful. It's very different from what what we may expect or what we have seen. Um, The other thing about this movie is, you know, you mentioned before of like this sort of the theme of, of, uh, you know, always looking for the, the grass is always greener. And what do I, what don't I have yet? What have I not, um, to complete me? What's right? the, what are the, yeah. What are the missing parts of me? The other big overriding thing is in this is how bad our parents fuck us up. <laughs> you know, that's, that's like throughout this whole movie of like, you know, why am I the way I am? Oh, because the, because the people who, you know, uh, either conceived me or raised me both. I mean, they're, they're disparate in this, right? Uh, it's a, it's two different groups, but, but they're messed up too. And would I have been better <laughs> right. off with the other group than the group that raised me, you know, the other, the other couple and not necessarily you are who you are, but they can sort of mess you up <laughs> in that way with neuroses and with expectations. Everything that I'm doing to my kids right now. Oh God, I'm so sorry. Hey, Exactly. I'm so sorry, future as Ben and Izzy, as you be. listen to this when I'm long gone and you're like, what was that thing that my dad used to do in the basement and in the closet at one point with those two other old guys? Let's listen. If you're listening now, I'm so, because I know you're going to be, you'll, you'll specifically be listening to the Flirting with Disaster episode. I'm so sorry, guys. I love will. you. I'm sorry I fucked you up. Oh, that's but mom and dad, why did you fuck me up? The circle <laughs> of life. Of life. That's what I think the words are. I still it don't is. know the lyrics. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> 15 years, I don't know the lyrics. You're yeah, in your dressing room getting green, not worrying about, not, not a care in the world. Nope, what are you don't doing? care. It's blah, 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 <sighs> blah, blah, blah. Hakuna Mata, blah, 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 blah. That's it. Anyway. <laughs> Mary Tyler Moore's breasts. What? <sighs> she looks great. That was shocking. At the yes. end. Did you see the post-credit scenes? The scenes during the credits? Oh, yes. <laughs> They're like, oh, Mary yes. Tyler Moore is giving George Siegel a blowjob. <laughs> no, 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 no. Oh, God. She looked yeah. pretty She looked fantastic. great. She looked great. She looked great. They all look great. <laughs> the concentration on Alan Alda's face in his post-credit scene. So great. <laughs> sex with Lily Tomlin and the son, yeah. played by Glenn the Fitzgerald, walks is walking, going in, going through the drawers. But Alan Alda's <laughs> face, he's just so concentrating <laughs> on the task at hand. And it's really, really funny. That's the Is there a more like relaxed, yeah. natural actor than Alan Alda? He's, just, know, he's no. just unflappable on screen. It's, it's just so, so It's so easy. I, there's, I've, I don't know if I've told you this story. This is a great Alan Alda story. Told my friend, uh, my good friend Scott Scheidt, told me this that he, when I guess Alan Alda was doing art on Broadway and he was fantastic mm. in it, mm-hmm. but yep. Scott is a stagehand and he ran into Alan Alda on the street and he went into him and he he he, he went into him. He went into him. <laughs> oh, wow, like ah. the peach. Yeah, yeah. No, he, burrowed in. He went up to him and he's, he's like, "Oh, Mister Mister Alda, I'm a big fan. Like I work at the theater next to you. Where you doing art? Blah blah blah." And he said that Alan Alda had a tape measure. He was just regular Alan Alda, you know, not like he wasn't disguised. He didn't have like a hat on or anything. He was just 
regular Alan Alda clothes, whatever those may be, but he had a tape measure attached to his belt. And he's and Scotty, you know, he's a stagehand. He was a contract a contractor. So he was like, uh-huh. "Oh, what's up? Uh, you, you doing some work or something?" And he said, "No." Nah. He said, "The thing I can't do an Alan Alda." He goes, "But the thing, which is uh-huh. funny because it seems like doing an Alan Alda would be simple, but there's a, there's a, there's got to be a skill it's to not, it." But he's you, like, "Have nah, you th- seen Bill Hader? Bill Hader's is amazing. amazing. Yeah, Bill Hader does it on is Saturday Night Live. He's all so the good. Time. It's really but he good. said, he's he goes, good. "Oh, the thing is, you know, I wear this tape measure because when I walk out, if I had the tape measure on, people see me and they go, oh, I know that guy.' But then they see the tape measure and they go, oh, but he's got a tape measure. So no, it can't be the guy I think he is. <sighs> what a that weird. was his disguise. Wow. Not a hat, not glasses, just a tape measure on his belt. And people would immediately be like, so well, why would Alan Alda have a tape a measure? It's kind of brilliant. Amazing. It's kind of brilliant. Wow. Where you're like, That's oh, he's like, great. yeah, he's a guy. He's a, he's a guy in carpentry or like, <laughs> it's like, right. he's like a union guy. I know him from just, a work has, Yeah, exactly. He's a construction guy who just looks a lot like Alan Alda. That is <laughs> so fucked up and brilliant in its, it's way. Fantastic. Oh it's fantastic. my God. So good. So good. Like flirting with disaster. This is one of those casts that I just want to watch over and over again and talk about. And Josh Brolin and Richard Jenkins relationship is, yes. the more I think about it, it's, it's just amazing because you, you don't expect it. You know, so they show up and you're right. Richard Jenkins is such a fucking hard ass right off the bat. And it's <laughs> slow. Mm-hmm. It's just slowly revealed as the scene's ending. You're going, yeah. wait a minute. Do they, do they have a, is there a relationship there? Yep. Hey, could you help me out with an adoption, Tina? Well, that depends on the specifics of your situation. Well, like what? Number one, are you married? Yes. Number two, does your spouse work? Yep. And is she willing to adopt? Well, you see, that's where the snag is. Then you've got a real problem. What would my chances be as a single parent? Excuse me, please. Why can't you stay and discuss this? I believe in privacy. Right. That's why. We have nothing to be ashamed of, though. I don't want to share my personal life with everybody I meet with. My favorite Richard Jenkins moment, it was not a favorite moment, but I had to watch this section again. You see it coming. You see the brother <laughs> putting something on the quail and, like, clearly jealous, yes. and you don't know what's going on. And then you That's see right. them make Richard Jenkins and Ben Stiller switch seats. Like you see it yep. coming and then you don't. Richard Jenkins, there's this whole section where during the, the yes. tension at the table and the argument. And Richard Jenkins yes. is having all these reactions. Well, he's, he's like, yes. his head in his hands and he looks it's miserable. Crazy. And I was like, what is his stake in this? What is upsetting Richard Jenkins about yes. this? And then you realize he's having an LSD trip. And I had yes. no idea it was happening until it was until it's crystal clear that it's happening. And then I had to go back yeah. and watch everything that he was doing before that and watch the whole. So I went back like three minutes to just watch all the little nuances of his discomfort at the table. Like, right. like something's wrong. I don't feel well. What is it? Oh, what's going on with my head? Like all these He's things. playing against it. Yeah. He's trying to get comfortable. And also, and, and David O. Russell is filming yeah. against it. David O. Like, it's a brilliant yeah, performance. Right. Right. But David O. Russell, right. it's, it's it's almost like in the periphery. Absolutely. Yeah. You're seeing the back of his head when he lays yeah. his head down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're so right. It's great. It's very, very well done. And you, you yeah, you do forget in a way that that's what's happening to him. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. It's so, so, so good. Yeah. Very surprising. It had a lot of surprises in it. And yeah, everybody's exceptional. So yeah, great. I say nine, <laughs> nine Sheilas. 
Yeah, I'm at an eight. I'm, I'm, I'm also at an eight. eight. I might even be coaxed up to an eight point five. Coax me up there wow. somehow. I'm, I'm Sheila in high lately. The last couple of episodes, I've been very generous. Yes. Yeah. But this is another yeah. one, yeah. again, that's that I, it's like the nostalgia thing too. Like I, as soon as it started, I remembered watching it and being at that time of, I, I mean, I think it's a great movie. I really love it. But also it's that feeling of where we were in our lives, you know, as, as, mm. uh, you know, young struggling actors in the city, you know, doing shitty you know, Shakespeare off, off Broadway and whatnot. And, and being able to go see <laughs> movies like this and see new, you know, to be able to go to yeah. a theater like the Angelica or the Lincoln Plaza cinemas or wherever it was or the film forum. And like, see, th- this was like really that golden age of, of indie filmmaking, you of know? Indie. Yeah. That sort of real independent, uh, um, uh, you know, sensibility, that independent yeah. spirit, as they say, was, 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 you know, fully, fully going yeah. at this time. And, and we, we, we went out of our way to not see the big Hollywood releases. Now it's all sort of well, a mush. I saw the big Hollywood releases too, else. but <laughs> this was. No, we, no, I know I'm not saying in yeah. lieu of, I'm saying, you know, to, we went over out of our way to go, what's the non big Hollywood release of yeah. this week. And we would, and we would make time and effort to go yeah. see it, you know? Um, I guess what coaxes me up to an 8.5 um, is, uh, not only Richard Jenkins, but just the, the, I, I guess the post-credit sequence, which I, I was, I was not expecting that either. Yeah. I was like, oh, we're in the credits. I was this close to like, just, you know, shutting it off. Um, but as soon as the, as soon as we started to get, you know, little, little Marvel, uh, Marvel post-credit things of like, here's what happens after. Um, it was really great. Now I, I would have, if they'd cast you, Dan, as the naked, hairy old guy, giving right. the finger in the beginning, I would have gone up to a 9.5. Yes. No, see, that's typecasting. Now we're back to typecasting, which, you know, that's my wheelhouse. Where are you at, Jason, with this? I'll, uh, I was at an 8. Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll jump up to 8.5 with you. Why not? Why not? Why not? It's jump delightful. In jump in the It's peach. delightful. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because at first I was like, you know, with James and the Giant Peach, I was like 6.5 or 7. This one I was like 7.5 or 8 because they there's something mm-hmm. about it that is very it is very simple in its way, but it is clever. It is surprising. The cast is amazing. And yeah, there are things that David O. Russell is doing that even though I don't think it reaches the heights of his later films, some of his later films, like just what you, you were describing about how he directed against that, you know, let that moment of Jenkins getting affected by the LSD seep in and kept it on the periphery. That's very smart. There's a lot of smart, smart things he does as a writer and director here. So I'll come up, I'll come up to 8.5. Why the hell not? Why? This is how you do He and Wes Anderson, and you know, that's how you do a character driven piece. You, You create, you say, you say simple conceit, man looks for birth parents. Then you say, who are all the characters who might be in this thing? Um, and then you give them layers and, and surprises. And I, I think it's just very well crafted. And, and no well one crafted, seems, it never seems that like, well, that's just a quirky character for the sake of having a quirky character. Hey, I'm Rip Taylor. Could you die? <laughs> as an actor, I've had the chance to perform on Broadway in, in the movies and on TV. Years, and as a comedian, I've thrown confetti all over I've the world. I've never seen anything <laughs> like this. But and as a child, my world is was made up of abusive parents and foster homes. 
that has saved myself. I, I developed a code I of comedy speak. and eventually made a career of it. Thank you again for joining us for another episode of Opening Weekend. Next time, the march towards episode 100 begins in earnest as we revisit May 4th, 2012 and the release of the box office juggernaut known as Marvel's The Avengers. Not to be confused with the 1998 The Avengers, which featured Sean Connery in a bear costume controlling the weather. Google it. Yes, this <laughs> Avengers, starring Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Mark Ruffalo, Samuel L. Jackson, and Jeremy Renner, is our first deep dive into a film from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And since 2012 was such a benchmark year for comic book adaptations in general, we will also revisit that summer's other superhero offerings, The Dark Knight Rises, starring Christian Bale as a retired Bruce Wayne, and The Amazing Spider-Man, starring Andrew Garfield as a rebooted Peter Parker. That's the Summer Superheroes of 2012, next time on episode 95 of Opening Weekend. Dan Matisa, what you got for us this week? Uh, yeah, Randy Newman wrote the songs from James and the Giant Peach. I don't remember any of them, so how about if I just do uh, You've Got a Friend in Me? Oh, good Lord. All right. I just say one more thing to our viewers of course you can Thank you. just god forbid the comedian should be serious for just a moment but i'm serious lean in i want to talk to you at home the opening weekend podcast is produced by jason o'connell fred berman and dan matisa with editing by jason o'connell and sound mixing by fred berman additional help and technical support provided by ethan duff thank you for listening mm-hmm.